Hey everyone, welcome to a Facebook Live episode of Lessons of the Woods by Ten Point Whitetails. Uh, I'm your host, Dylan Porter, and here we have Kyle Weber, who is the co-host of this little internet show that we like to do sometimes, and that's that's about all the intro we're going to get today because we're not a thousand percent sure what we're going to talk about. We got a few ideas, don't get me wrong, but we're hoping comments roll in and assist in the generation of our topics because uh, we got a couple of things we want to do. We do have a surprise that we're going to, how do I want to say it, uh, reveal towards the end, little project I worked on. Uh, just before we started, literally, I'm in the video call with Kyle. He's watching and he's watching me work while we're doing our pre-show. So, uh, never before seen footage. So that'll be fun. How you doing, Kyle? Good. Can I talk now? Sure. He said specifically not to talk until they switch the screens around. Um, yeah, that little surprise. We got some stuff in the works. Um... But maybe like uh, I mean this is live, so maybe a recap on what what episode is this? Are we are we thirty yet? I think it's a thirty-two. I think Jason was thirty or thirty-one. Okay, Jay- Cruising, so I mean, what, what what's your uh, what's your consensus on the first thirty plus episodes? Well, we're having fun. Give us a we recap. Have, we have a few people watching. Recap. Oh boy. First 10 or so, we talked about how to set up your property appropriately for hunting, What's gonna, how you're going to get the best the best results out of your land, and getting in and out of your tree stands, not like stepping in and out, but getting access points to them. If you need step-by-step instructions on how to get into and out of your tree stand, this is probably not the right podcast for you. Uh, then we just talked a lot of hunting BS, and for those of you that love when we talk... Um, Let's see, baiting, laws and regulations, CWD, and DNR. We talked a lot about those topics. So we know you know who you are, and we know who you are. Well, I don't. Kyle does. But we heard the, the complaints. We know you're sick of it. So we're not going to talk about them anymore, except just briefly like we just did. Unless somebody wants to ask a question about them, then we might. Uh but yeah, we've just been having a lot of fun. We've had a couple of really good guests. We had the guys from Haunted Outdoors on. We had Jared from Outdoor X Media on twice. And uh, most recently, we had Jason Say with uh, Wired Outdoors. Am I remembering that correctly? Yep. Yep. And the the Field Days uh, podcast or media group. Yeah, so that um, was fun. I mean, what what is that? hundred hundred and probably almost a million followers, 700,000 followers between the, between the guests. I mean, um, you know, we're, we're small. I mean, we're 30 episodes in, we're just two Joe blows to sit in our, our basements and and record. And, you know, we get some views and yeah, the first, the first 10 or so were about how we set up Wits End Ridge and how we practice when we do consulting, how, how we practice good access and food plot setups, tree stand setups. Um, then we transition, transition to, you know, the dirty work of hunting, you know, stuff that a lot of hunters, especially in Wisconsin, don't worry about. Not that they don't worry about it, but it's past, you know, they don't, they don't know about CWD Dylan's Dylan and Dylan's dad and the deer farm industry is 
under the microscope when it comes down to CWD. So there's a lot to talk about from that side of things. Uh, but the average hunter doesn't doesn't think about CWD besides what the DNR tell them. Um, we did also play What If I Was DNR Commissioner. That was a fun couple of episodes. I think I think there was a couple, a couple of the episodes that were the best only because it shows our different... You and me are sitting here talking, but yet we have two different perspectives on how a, a hunting season or how it should be regulated, you know, and that's everybody's opinion. Um, everybody's a little different when it comes to that, so... It's been fun, um, you know, at this point, not quite rolling a year yet, but we've got what? We've got trophy tree stands kind of helping us out. We got Domain Outdoors helping us out. We got Titan Blinds, a um, little bit TR of TR Outdoors. TR Outdoors, yep. Um, Monster Meal's been involved a little bit. Yep, and, and these aren't products that are sponsors. They no. nobody nobody hands us a check just yet, but they're products that we use. I mean, your dad has a couple TRO door blinds up. Mm-hmm. I got a I got a Titan. I got a couple trophy tree stands up. You got a trophy blind, trophy tree stand blind. Um, so these are all products that we personally use. Not we're not paid to say their name, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a great conversation with Riley Arnold at uh, Domain talking about uh, a spring order and a fall order. And I informed him that none of none of us are thinking spring yet because you just got snow, but I mean, yeah. we're still in four feet of snowpack. So fr- even frost eating is so far. Well, on the plus side up here, it is going to be 45 degrees to 50 degrees for the next week. However, towards like I think Wednesday and Thursday of next week, we're looking at rain for three days straight. Rain's uh, good though; not, it'll knock down that snow. Yeah, but when it's hot and melty, and then we get rain, there's going to be some basements that are going to get flooded. Not my yeah. own, but other people in the area yep. are going to struggle. But well, and you know, same same here. We're going to hit. I think we almost hit seventy one day this week. And we're going to, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be brutal, but there's going to wow. be an excess. But, you know, we talked about this with Jason about frost eating. Cause I had and, and a little project was we brought the skid steer in and actually cleared access to into the land at Wits End Ridge, but actually went all the way up to the Ridge top boot plot. Um, just to, just to remove some snow so that we can frost seed a little earlier. And Jason was like, well, you don't really need to do that because, in his opinion, the work wasn't that beneficial because you still got to wait till the soil temps get up there and et cetera, et cetera. And my point was, I'm still going to have snow banks. Well, we have 70 degree weather on average and I, we'll skip the frost seeding for seed and our freeze and thaw method. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to expedite that um because of this next week we're going to be in the 70s not that that's going to be the average but i'm going to have snow well into the nice weather let's put it that that's really Uh, not fair you're not that much farther south than i am here and you're gonna be in the 70s come on well and but i have three times as much snow as you because of superior so yeah well lake superior not that you're superior 
Lake Superior. We're Superior. No, no. Um, so it's <laughs> so it's been. We we've covered the ground. We've got some good relationships with some of the guys in the industry, but um, Jared coming on, you know, it, it's Jason Say is probably the biggest celebrity we have. He's got real sponsors, and he's got really, he's a real, he's real one of these real uh, outdoor professionals um, as far as in this hunting industry. And but otherwise, we're relatively small. Well, I mean, we're small, but. Even some of these guys, like Jared and them, they only got a couple ten, twenty thousand 20,000 followers. And and it's it's good. I like that. I like that we got products. We're, we're getting our foot in the door in a lot of places. But yeah, and we got products that end, back us. It's going to be down to the you guys, the listeners, that hopefully enjoy our content to help us reach the next step. Yep. yep. Whether that's going to be upgrading our production quality or buying new equipment for hunting and doing more videos. Yep. Um, I think we got a list of guests coming on. I had talked yeah. to Jared and he had some family that was sick and they just had a newborn. So family's priority and that's, you know, but Jared and us three could talk about hunting for, for months. Um, us and Jason could talk. I, I have millions of questions. I was nerding out that night. <laughs> um, it's been it's it's been cool it's been exciting it's worked um i think there's better stuff to come you know we got we're once the snow goes away we got a lot to work to do mm -hmm. on properties but i mean when does when do you start when does your dad start uh we're we're gonna hopefully get started i don't know it really depends out at my dad's place because the the soil is so soft and wet out there that you know frost seeding's not necessarily going to work on any of the plots we have right now there's one spot where i could try it but the 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 concern there is that it's going to drown out it'll come up we'll get rain and it's right next door to a swamp it'll drown out uh so that's a big concern otherwise it's going to be when can we get a tractor out there and feasibly work the ground without getting stuck uh we've upgraded from the way we used to do it in the past so we actually use tractors instead of uh, originally we'd use like a old M, which is not a big tractor, throw a disc on behind it and see what happens, put telephone poles on top of these ancient discs to weigh them down. So they cut deeper. And now we, uh, got the little bit bigger tractor. It, it does better, but you're more likely to get stuck. So there is a few plots I'm going to try to frost seed and see if, if we're just throwing money away or if we're not just because, we might not be able to get a tractor onto those plots till, you know, June, July. Right. Um, but I got to sit down with dad here pretty quick and make a comprehensive plan of what are, where are we putting food plots? What are we doing? He uh, added a few ponds to the land last year. So that's really exciting. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where that all ends up. Uh, but yeah, if we do anything in May, I'll be absolutely shocked. The, the land right next to us used to be a field and at least five different farmers tried growing a crop there before they gave up and they call it, it's, it's cold bottom. So you can plant whatever you want, but it ain't going to grow until later in the year and they'd never get big enough to do any harvesting. But if you go across the highway, pretty decent food plots. They do well, just not 
or not food plots, fields, farmer fields, just not necessarily on the piece that we're going to be working on. So -hmm. a lot of different things are going to be happening out there, but it's going to be a little bit more rushed, a little bit later in the year, and we'll see what happens. Well, and you mentioned that a little later in the year. Here in Wisconsin, I think we are pushing what? November, December, January, February, March, April. Six months. These deer have been dealing with snow and cold weather. But right now it's warm. It's 45, 50 degrees. But it's so deep and packy and snow, they're punching through it. So, I mean, it's, it's a, they're killing themselves just to move. And now the crust is on top, so the dogs, you know, wolves and coyotes can run all, run all over. Mm-hmm. Um, so six months, and, and, and Jared was a good example of his Iowegian accent. Um, why did he, why does I, why is Iowa a better trophy buck? You know, a lot resource. less stress why down is, there. Why is it, uh, Northern Southern Wisconsin better? Well, the hardships less mm-hmm. winters are shorter down. There. I mean, you go two hours south of here and there's, I don't say there's barely any snow, but there's, there's less snow. So what oh, you I had draw a friend- a line, Send me a video. I had a friend send me a video from Rochester, Minnesota. Well, that area, Red Wing, I guess. No snow. Yeah. No snow. Sixty degrees, and up here so, it's a. You can't see grass yet. And I'm. I was riding on the property yesterday, and we were we were in a tracked. Um, Ranger general. side by side. Yep, tracked, and we were. Driving all over, I was so super impressed with the machine. I stepped out to look <laughs> at my camera, right to my knees. My muck, I, my muck boots full of snow. I gotta ask, what brand tracks were on it? Were they cam locks? I think that's one of the brands, or were they mat tracks? I don't know. Oh, mat tracks is like three miles down the road from me, so that's why I yep. ask. But uh, there's Camelplast. Yep. And Matt tracks. I think those um, are the main I two. Honestly, did not even consider looking. Matt tracks. Of course, they were. They're Matt tracks. Absolutely Monster. support <clears throat> support <throat> my local economy, guys. By Matt tracks. <laughs> I wonder if they would sponsor us. Maybe something to consider. Maybe if we ever if we ever finish a hunting episode. I'm just saying, if if it ever were to happen. By the way, I'm waiting for uh, Jason to say his, uh, what's the word? I don't know. You haven't said it yet. <laughs> waiting for his announcement on his, uh, the day that the, the thing comes out. Oh, his documentary all in? Yeah, but when, what's the day? Release date. I'm waiting for Jason say to tell us his release date, because then I'm going to give uh, Dylan here a chance to beat him. Well, technically, technically, both deer were shot in the same fall, same 2022. So if it takes Jason Say's media production people. Documentary crew that approached him to do the video. If it takes them a year. Versus me. I can see why it would take a single, not a single guy, but a individual in his basement. I get it. To be clear, folks, Kyle is absolutely no help on the production side of things. No, no, absolutely. I am. He he sent me the link to the Zoom 
on my Facebook, and I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Send it via email. So, it's not even Zoom. Dude, come on. Sponsor. Google Meets. Um, anyway, no, we're getting a little, really... little lost here, but tell us why you were out on Wits End with a range, uh, uh, Ranger. A ranger with tracks side by side. Why were you out there at this time of year with all of the snow? Well, trust the process, I guess. Um, one perk of buying a chunk of land is the process to get how we talk about hunting a property, right? So you set up food plots, you set up tree stands, you even set up access. Um, Whitsend Ridge is kind of done. The blinds are where the blinds are going to be. The tree stands are where the tree stands are going to be. Food plots are where the food plots are going to be. So we have a couple different options. Let it sit, plant some food plots and hunt them. Or you move on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I reached out to, and I got his business card here, Mike at Whitetail Properties Real Estate. He's from Ashland, which is just 30 minutes north of us. Um, I reached out to him to see kind of if he'd be willing to put, give me a number for the property as far as putting it up for sale. Um. It's sad to think about that because that's kind of what started this was with Sand Ridge, mm-hmm. but he came out. He did some. He did some comps and he looked at his stuff and he's like, "I can't really tell you much until we we look at it." And I said, "Well, come on out." So he brought his side by side with tracks with Matt, Matt tracks, of course, mm-hmm. and um, we took a drive. And, and actually, I'll be. I'm very impressed with the machine going over four feet of snow like almost like nothing anyways um we took a tour he he loved it he he said the property is great mature woods some young woods he loved the timber that we did cut um to create bedding and sanctuaries he said that was very smart to cut very smart to cut there but also what what we did cut you know you mm-hmm. didn't cut any value but you cut you know canopy open um, love the food plots, love the setup. Yeah, I guess he actually guided for 25 years. Oh, wow. Uh, bear and uh, deer. So he was very impressed. And, you know, he 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 had mentioned that we have done enough to improve the property, but not too much where, where if we were to sell it, the next owner can be a little creative in themselves and do what they want. Mm-hmm. Talked about building a house on it. Talked about building a pole shed on it, a little hunting camp. Like they, whoever the next person is can do that. So the question is why? Well, because we've done all we can do to the property or we've done all we, we see to do with the property. Um, so an avenue to go is to list it for sale. Mm-hmm. Sell it to somebody that wants the dream hunting property. Um, and then we, you know, use those funds to go buy the next chunk and do the process all over again, but different depending on what the property needs. Um, not that we want to, not, not, not that we don't love it or, or, but I want the process. I want the, 
I want to buy the property that has no deer on it, that has nothing going on. Build it, provide or build it, structure it, set it up, and then successfully take a deer and hold deer and make this hunting property something it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, let somebody else come in and enjoy it while we move on to the next project. Um, so that's why he was out there. He loved it. He he gave us nothing but good praises on what was done and what is is going on there. Um, so there's a potential for to list it. Uh, we're also going to go back out there, um, me and a forester, and look at you know some timber value, and and look at our options. So even though even though having us come out and do a consultation and even doing the work, even if we build food plots and set up tree stands for somebody. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money, but it's an investment. I mean, you can buy a chunk of property that doesn't have a deer on it. Wits End Ridge didn't really have any deer on it. Now we have a bachelor group of six last summer, held and harvested a, excuse me, held and harvested a buck off of it. We have nothing but bigger deer coming this year. Um, the improvements are going to only be better you know, as, as growth comes in this spring. Um, so if you call us and we do this for you, like it's a big chunk of money, but you're investing in your property. The same way if you built a shed or built a house on it or updated your house, mm-hmm. you're investing in hoping for a reward out. Um, let alone the memories and, and the hunting and the success that you go through. So it's a process. There's a, there's a group online on uh, YouTube I highly recommend you look him up. It's called the Whitetail Group. Now he works with a, a land developer or land, land guys, I think it is. Mm-hmm. But they buy a chunk, they do all their stuff to it, and then they sell it. And they buy the next one, and then they sell it. And they they flip hunting land. This is what they do. They flip it. Um, not that I quite want to get to that point, but if we decide to sell Wits and Ridge, and I hope somebody gets it and has great success on it it enjoys everything we've done it would be just going to the next one going to the next piece that has no deer and being like okay watch this yeah it's not that we're giving up it's that we're we've hit a point where there's not there's small improvements always to be made smaller modifications changes that can always be made on your hunting land but the land is producing and kyle really wants to make more food plots and he's kind of upset that he can't do that anymore. So ways to stop Kyle from selling his land is hire him to come make your food plots. He just <laughs> loves going in with a bulldozer and a backhoe or not going in with a bulldozer and backhoe, going with a yard rake and raking leaves and pulling them back, getting the canopy cut down a little bit. So stop Kyle. <laughs> it's only you can prevent Kyle. <laughs> Uh, if we're going to go that route. But it's 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 not giving up on Wits End Ridge. It's we've gotten it to a Kyle more than me. It's gotten it to a point where it's producing. Uh, granted, there's still going to be several more years before it's producing as good as it should be. You know, got to get that age structure in there. Uh, but once it hits that point, it's Kyle needs another project. Kind of. My wife's the first person to tell you that I have too many projects. Um, <laughs> and it, if we sell it, you know, I told Mike that the 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 purchaser could retain us to continue planting the food plots, continuing doing the work, and continue managing it. And then they 
they they hunt it you know and they get to enjoy it um it's the same thing with some developers that build condos or build these spec homes or you know they build it up so much and then they go okay we're gonna stop and sell it mm-hmm. and then you know you can either finish it the way you would like to or you desire it to or you can buy it hire us to finish it the way you want it to and, and it makes it yours the framing the foundation everything's in there what it needs now is three years it needs three years of the undergrowth to come through where we cut it needs three years of the food plots to develop and that soil to to mature and fertilize you know mm-hmm. to develop good soil in there i mean it was raw woods for years uh 30 40 years literally um and we instead of just sitting on it for three years without really having any the major projects are done uh uh, it's and if we can give it to somebody that wants permanent hunting Mm -hmm. and we can take that and go purchase the next thing and start that project it just sounds that sounds fun i mean obviously the moment moment if and when it sells we're buying the next thing and we're going to start working on the projects and we're going to go hey look at there was no deer here fast forward three years from now wits end ridge is doing hopefully really well but we got the next one going and you know maybe there's all, a chunk of, all of this you're we're kind of able to make better habitat for the white-tailed deer as much as it this method here provides us more opportunity to make better habitat yeah and i mean you can't realistically you can't go to your property every year and clear up a spot and put a food plot in it's that's not how that's not the target so eventually the work the big projects stop we could fine-tune things but you also want to watch it for three years and see how it develops to fine-tune it Mm -hmm. you know so I know a project I want to do this spring is to make the pond bigger. Okay. That's easy. Um, we're kind of reestablish some trails with a brush hog. N- not crazy, you know, mm-hmm. but other than that, I need everything to kind of just, like I said, I need, I need the sanctuaries to the new growth to come up. I need the edge of the food plots to thicken up. I tree stands are where they're going to be the fun. The major projects are done. Yep. Um, so Mike came in and he's going to put some numbers together. And if it's something we like, we might list it. Like I said, the forester is going to come in and show us what the timber value is. And we're just going to look at the avenues straight is keep it and hunt it fine. Mm-hmm. But then for us, all that provides for content is one hunt a year, two hunts a year. That's all it's going to do where if we do this and then we go buy the next one, we got all the content and in time put into the projects to show you guys that we can do it. And then the hunt. So it's actually beneficial for 10-point whitetails to go to the next one. But straight ahead is keep the property. Right is sell it. Left is talk to the forester. And that would be the next big project, right? Select, cut it, clear it out, get some timber value out of it. And then it really needs some years to establish. Mm-hmm. I don't mean clear cut. I mean just 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 select, pick at it, select, cut it. Um, and then you got to let it establish. And then it probably... It could be dangerously good at that point. So, but Mike at Whitetail Properties, man, he had everything good to say about it. He he loved it. Um, he thought of a couple people that might want it right then and there. Hmm. Well, that's um, good. I asked him if he had their checkbook. He said no. So, which 
but but until then, like I said, the 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 doors open if somebody purchases it. We still might maintain managing of it. Yeah. You know, while we're doing the next one, but I mean, that's just icing on the cake then, because then yeah, you it's, get to keep working on it. It's investment, and, and Joel Johnny Johnny Smith over here that hires us to come do a consultation and clear out food plots and do this same same amount of work. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it on weekends on the, on the side, but if you you know you do it for a week, you can do it some damage. It's a lot of money. Yeah. But if you were to ever sell it, you're getting to get a return because of the, of the, that's the first thing he said, the improvements you made have increased the value substantially. Yeah. So don't just think you're writing a check to have better deer hunting. You're writing a check. You're hiring us to improve your property and increasing your investment. Yeah. Improves your investment, improves your property value, improves your hunting value, improves your deer herd value or decreases it if you got too many deer but that that doesn't seem to be the problem for most people just here just just by us kyle's got too many deer oh we do here we got a question from luke can we go on to a new property like we did on wits end and create bigger new bigger genetics or is it it is what it is for a couple square mile area genetics are hard to influence that's that's tough uh, but I can tell you for a fact that you don't know what genetics a deer has when you pull the trigger, uh, unless it's a definitely mature deer. But we've seen in the past there was a very common trend to shoot spike bucks and because they would say they're the lesser genetic animals. That's just not the case. Uh, there's no evidence of that. The spike bucks are they're not born; they're created. They're, they're a product of their environment. So like, for instance, on Wits End Ridge, prior to there ever being any food out there, most of the yearling bucks are going to be spike bucks because they just have nothing to eat all winter long. They got nothing to eat all summer long and they're struggling. But with the improvements that we've been making, we're giving those yearling bucks a better opportunity to get through their first year life and have a better set of antlers, which can incur them having a better set of antlers each year of their life. So changing the genetics is tough, but once you get... Uh, a food source out there if the deer are starving or whatever the case may be add all these improvements we're making can help add or help a deer reach their antler genetic potential and also a big one is age you know if you're shooting year and a half and two and a half year old bucks they're not going to hit their genetic potential and get to where they should be uh other things that can influence too like more does if you have more does and you don't have enough bucks bucks can travel from other areas to breed your does and change the genetics that's kind of the the skinny of it so yeah i think when you go on to it when you go on to a new property from everything i've put together if you go to a new property you're going to have more influence on getting their genetic getting them to reach their genetic potential by providing new food nutrients um water environment safety like you're gonna you're gonna have more influence on their on maximizing their genetic potential than you are their genetics in general. If mm-hmm. the genetics there is a mainframe eight pointer, that's the genetics there. Unless you have a, a wandering buck <clears throat> that comes in and, and spices up the genetic pool a little bit, that's what's there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a good analogy, and I think you and me and you have talked about it, Dylan, is if we were to take a trophy buck from your dad's deer farm. Disclaimer, I know this is completely illegal. Stay off my case. But if we take a trophy deer off of Steve Porter's deer farm, brought him out to my land and parked him there, what? Two generations, three generations, the genetics are washed. They're going to be washed yeah. out because he's going to breed lesser does, mm-hmm. poorer yeah. genetics, and his genetic potential is going to go down considerably because of lack of food, lack of water, pressure, hunting pressure, you know, all of those influences. I'm going to argue, like, I could argue it's not going to change that buck's genetics. No, his genetics are his genetics. Is, no, what I'm saying is he breeds that doe. That's that that fawn. Mm-hmm. His genetics are now 50% trophy, yeah. 50% the, name His frame. line will get diluted. So, yeah. And then when he grows up to a two-year-old and he breeds that doe, that is a mainframe eight. Now, it, the, the genetic, and I'll, I'll argue you this, that trophy buck that comes on to Whitsend Ridge, mm-hmm. do you say the next year he grows the same size antlers? He shouldn't. He shouldn't because he's going to have more pressure, less food. His his genetic potential is still there, but his antler growth his is going to significantly crash. Yeah. He's so gonna, he's going to balance out with the rest of the deer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Luke, when you got the if you got a mainframe eight in your area and that's what you always see, you're going to want to try to influence the genetics somehow. Uh, the easiest way to change what you're seeing is allowing them to mature more, which granted, depending on your area, depending on the people around you, depending on the hunting pressure, coyote pressure, car pressure, that can be really tough to do. Uh, but sometimes if they're a mainframe eight, they might not be getting old enough. Granted, we're not, we don't know every situation. Uh, but the other thing that you can do too, is if you can increase your doe herd, feed better, feed more, get more deer out there, get more does, you can bring in a buck can travel from another area. People think white-tailed deer don't move that far, but they do move a lot. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, bringing in a bringing in a single buck to help change your genetics over time is just gonna go back to the way it was. And and I'll say this too, specifically Whitsend Ridge, we shot a little uh, eight-pointer ace, two-year-old. I mean, nothing crazy, but it was a good, it was a good process in which Whitsend Ridge happened. Um, but within a mile circle of that tree stand, just, just personally, I know of a 150 inch deer shot, 173 inch deer shot, 144 inch deer shot, all with split G2s, relatively decently framed 12 point um 11 point you know them deer are there Mm -hmm. so there's no reason that to say that ace that little eight point mainframe deer that we i shot this last year genetic potential isn't a 12 point 150 inch deer like his genetic potential may be that now he may need to be five to get to that level but if we can expedite the food and the growth, maybe that mainframe eight isn't the genetics. Maybe that's just the the spike, the fork startup. And if we give him everything he needs to expedite the, the genetic potential, maybe he is 150 inch deer. Because deer have been shot since, what year was it? 2012, 2012, 2016, 
2019. So in the last 10 years, those 344-plus-inch deer were within a mile of that. Mm-hmm. So I think the genetics are there, and there's no there's a good chance that Ace getting to five could produce, be that buck. And all and Luke Northwoods, Wisconsin, if them genetic potentials may be there, we as hunters don't let them get there. Yeah. Um, and, and it's deer, a product of it's a product of hunting and shooting two year olds. Yeah, and over hunting pressure, which any state land ever is way over hunting and lack of food. Yeah. And you know, I mean, imagine what that one seventy three. Where is he? Imagine what he would have done if he had all the food he wanted. Yeah, this might be it too. He might be five and and been taken care of. But I'm going to suspect that he's. He's you know, right there. He's. I mean, he looks really. He looked really good. I mean, he's. I'd love to see what he does next year. But of course, with that skull plate in between, that ain't going to happen. No, no. But I mean, there the 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 potential is there. But yes, if if the genetic potential is a ten point. If how about this? If that's the genetic potential, which is just a ten point mainframe buck that's the genetic potential that's what's there you can't mm-hmm. change or alter that with what we do all we're going to increase is the genetic potential being reached by supplying food yeah. supplying protection if if a mainframe aids the genetic potential that's what's going to be there so and even going to an extreme like taking a trophy buck from a deer farm planting it at Wits End Ridge after two two fawns that's diluted to almost nothing. But whatever it was. If we brought that 250 inch deer, stuck him out there right now at Wits End Ridge and he had all summer to eat. Next year he'd probably score less. Yeah, the stress of that situation and the pressure and things that a, a buck like that wouldn't be used to would be very difficult. And honestly, the best way to change the genetics of your herd, which granted isn't legal again, would not be to bring a buck in, but to bring in 10, 12, 15 bred does. Because now you have more options for them to intermingle and change their genetics and you're getting more deer on the ground. Uh, but that's not to say there's not hope. So there's been several areas where, like you're saying, Luke, they just shoot a, you see, you see mainframe mates over and over and over and over again. At some point, deer are designed to do this. Some, but a buck's going to wander. And the case in point that I've heard of, it was they never had a left brow tie, ever. It was always just the right one, never had a left one. Every buck they ever shot for 20 years on one piece of property. But then suddenly a buck came in, something changed, and now they're getting both brow tines and the bucks are getting bigger. Deer do travel and move. There's been several documented cases that are being kind of scrubbed by the Minnesota DNR, but we're not talking about that, uh, of deer moving anywhere from 20, 30, 40, 60, 70, 100 plus miles just up and going. So there's hope for genetics to be brought in, whether they're better or not than what you have. That's, that's, that's the question. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's tough. And, and to Luke's point about a chunk of public, surrounded by private having yeah because so that big mature buck is going to travel to the deepest darkest hole and potentially bed down for the nine day gun season 
Mm-hmm. He's going to survive four years of gun season because he goes and beds down in a spot and doesn't move. He'd rather lay in his bed and starve because he knows he'll get shot if he moves. So if you're in that swamp, if you're in that chunk of public land, while all the deer hunting cabins get filled, that's where he's going to be. And bigger bucks are in there. Absolutely. I, we have a buddy. I have a buddy that he hunts a lot of public. And, man, he's got 20, 30 places he checks out to scout. He finds the big deer. Mm-hmm. Now, they're harder to hunt because the, the spots are harder to get to. And the deer are super pressured. So, they're, you know, he may not have – he may not shoot that Pope and Young trophy buck every year. But he, he shows me the pictures. They're, he finds them. Mm-hmm. So, they're out here. But they're few and far between. And they're a lot smarter than, you know, that spike. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's tough, but that that's, I mean, it's all about what you want to take out of hunting. If you're about the inches, fine. If you're about the memories, great. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm all for the process at this point. I was Googling land today for sale just to, I mean, and not, I didn't type in deer hunting land for sale because that's pretty penny. I'm like that random chunk that's kind of swampy that nobody wants. The one that says non-buildable. I'm like, oh, that's that's the spot I want. That could be you know, interesting. You can't build there. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna cry if it happens, but it will allow for bigger and better things. And maybe someday I'm buying 160 acres by Jared. <laughs> and in Iowa. In Iowa and. And, you know, then I'm moving down there so I can be a resident. So I don't have to pay so much money for the tag. I'm just saying there's, there's yeah. potential there, man. There's potential. So. Yeah. There's always things that can be done better, fun, more fun and different. And doing what we can to improve the deer herd in any way is and I would the love, best we can do. I'd love to close on the next chunk. Call Titan blinds. Hey, send up two. Call trophy tree stands. Send up a pallet like you did last time set it all up domain mm-hmm. hey i need you know big gulps of this and big gulps of that get the brusher in there i mean i'm i'm that that excites me so to do it at wits end ridge shoot it shoot a little eight pointer buck it worked we did it all right now let's do the next one so, yeah uh just shout out to montana big old muley thank you corky for doing the euro about big so this deer was very interesting because when we got there it was negative six the first night with a negative 20 whatever degree wind chill the heater and the propane mr buddy couldn't keep it warm it was so cold my power a bottle froze fast track a day and a half Um, fast track two days later, we, I, I poking through the woods, seen him, got a shot off on him. Um, my hunting partner that came with me, Luke, five minutes later shot his buck, which I would say is a little bigger than this one or, or pretty close. Mm -hmm. But this one had probably 50 or 60 pounds on his deer, same rack size, but mine was substantial either at least two years older 50 60 pounds bigger 
it was a big, and the mule deer are big in general. Like, yeah, we talk about a 250, 300 pound whitetail. That's a, that's a monster. I mean, you know, you start seeing those in Canada. Um, this thing's big. So it's my second muley. It is, it's smaller than my first one, but it was a really cool story. Really. We did a whole pack in camp. It was, it was, it was fun, but we got him back. So now we got to hang him on the wall. We'll have a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight euros. That's two, two, that's two mule deer. That's just the euros. So, um, yeah, it's, it was cool. It was just, I just got him back, I don't know, last week. So I figured I'd showboat him on the live, but. He looks good. Good. Did a good job. Yeah. He's got a cool, you know, mule deers like to split. Mm-hmm. That's about all I get. That's, I was looking at that. I'm like, did that get chewed up? What? It, that's just goofy. Uh, I would, I would guess velvet something, but I mean, no split here. Mm-hmm. So the other one's really cool because he's got a nice split on the one side. He's got brow tines too. This one, but this was substantially a bigger, a bigger deer. This was a this was a two years older and bigger. Yeah, uh, body wise. But you know, racks are interesting to say the least. Oh, for sure. Genetics have a lot to do with it. Injury, age. Lack of feed, too much feed or enough feed. Well, not too much feed, I guess. I don't think that's ever happened, but you know, if it happened, everything affects them. Well, and this was in a completely different uh, part of the Montana. I'm just gonna skip over here so I can get him back on. How's that going? Did you do you know how to hang up a head mount? Have you ever done no. that before? Nope. This mount is pretty sweet too. Very simple, but. Difficult for me to say the least. Well, there's a lot of things that are difficult for you, Kyle. Uh, Luke, if you're still watching, is he still watching? I don't know. Just tells me that there's people watching. Doesn't tell me who. That actually came up by your neck of the woods. You guys are getting the whole you're getting the whole tour of the the studio, the sound studio. Yeah, but that uh, mainframe ten there that actually came from up by your neck of the woods, up in the. The Barons, right there. Damn. It's a good-looking buck. So for those of you that are only listening to the audio version of this podcast, go watch the video version, and you can see these things. So speaking um, of seeing things. There we go. Transition. Transition. I worked on a little project about a week ago, sent a snippet of it to Kyle, and then I didn't work on it again until about 15 minutes before we started. I'm like, you know what? This would be a great place. Kyle, that wasn't even sneaky. Come on. <laughs> that would, this would be a great place. It's not Bud Light, I promise. Yeah. That'd make a different podcast. <laughs> uh, so 15 minutes before we got rolling, I decided, you know what? I'm going to get this done, and we are going to show you guys, those of you on the video version, so on Facebook and YouTube, the first ever sneak peek commercial at the hunt that took place this fall at my dad's place with me and Kyle. So should I show him that now, or do you want to do any more prefacing there, Kyle? Um, we, Me and Dylan, when we started this, we were going to do a hunt up at Steve's. It's a deer farm, so everybody's got their 
most people got their negative opinion, but um, or positive, or positive. But me, that's where me and Dylan met, and it's been fun. And and this this hunt specifically was very frustrating because people a lot of people put deer hunt deer farms and easy hunting and and whatnot. But we seen four deer five deer well not including like the nothing the first three days yeah we sat in some cold we sat in some crap um and didn't didn't see anything or didn't see much so and we had there was another hunter that didn't see anything either anyways you'd think two tree stands covering 140 acres we'd see some deer nope so it was fun and we recorded we had two cameras going um so Dylan has put together a hunt of this to share. Uh, it was Jack, because he was jacked up. That was the one, but it wasn't the one we were targeting. Nope. Um, we have two stars, Jack, who who we harvested, and Sleepy Joe. I don't know how yeah. much you show him and not, but well, Sleepy this, Joe was there. This is just a sneak peek, so you'll see more when the video's done. But, yeah. But it was I'll fun. I'll show him. And- and there's there you know here's here's the hunt or here's the trailer should say this is a trailer okay hopefully it comes through all right on the live stream here so we won't be able to hear it but we'll be quiet while it's playing Kyle <laughs> all right here we go So I thought about putting a date on there at the end instead of just coming soon. I didn't want to put my, that much pressure on myself. So we'll just see what soon ends up being. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it was a really fun hunt and I, I had a blast and I actually got to go sit and hang out multiple times for other hunters during that, you know, after mm-hmm. we were done. Uh, but we had to work. I mean, we had to work for it. It was we sat in every, just, I think we sat in every stand or every other stand. And the reason we shot the deer we shot wasn't because he walked out, stood broadside and we shot him. It was a whole fiasco, but it was fun. And I think it'll be really enjoyable to watch. Um, and people can kind of see what takes place on a deer farm, you know, and on how that process happens. But like I said, I got to enjoy a bunch of time not hunting i got to meet people buying deer urine i got to meet people working there i got to hang out with steve and dylan we got to do podcasts got to sleep at the cabin got to watch two different hunters one that was there during our time but another one that came after my hunt um and watch them harvest some animals and see their nerves and see the see see the whole point of hunting and what what they do and, and it's a deer farm but 
the emotions are still there. The hunt is still there. Um, it's, it fits some people and yeah. um, I, I had a blast. So I look forward to this fall. So, and just because we have experience on game farms, don't let that tell you that we don't know what we're doing when it comes to hunting. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Isn't that all state? I don't know. I'm, I'm Jake from state farm guy. So, um, <laughs> I actually think the deer farm thing is a benefit. Um, getting to Dylan has told me and shown me things from a tree stand that I have never ever contemplated because Dylan has sat in a tree stand for more hours than I've worked my life. And he's seen how this, how a deer acts and reacts. And he's got a lot of seat time in a tree stand with, live animals so mm -hmm. where i see a deer for five minutes hopefully twice in a weekend dylan's done it for 20 years and dealt with tame deer and dealt with you know your guys' show bucks and and wild ones that are in the preserve and you know and your dad's told me information on how deer and deer health goes and i sent you guys a picture this spring of my deer off trail camera and you guys were like whoa this he's this that's that that's you know and it's it's a deer farm i get it but i think it's an advantage and, and to ignore what i would call science it's science visually seeing how a deer reacts mm -hmm. the, the tail whip yeah the tail that's one of the best ones is um a deer's walking in and if he stops and, and he's looking around and he flags his tail, not up, not up and goes, oh, oh, he just, just wags it. Like a dog. It's a calming, and Dylan, you know, mentioned like they're doing that to calm themselves. And the reason you, you know, by a tail wag that, okay, he's not freaking out, but he's putting himself down. He's going to most likely nine times out of 10 or 10 out of 10 move forward. Mm -hmm. He's not spooking yet, even though. A deer standing still looking around with his ears and nose, we would see. I would see as a spooked deer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, it's, that... it's 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 a way for a white-tailed deer to either self-convince or tell everybody around him, "I didn't see something," you know. Because oftentimes, I mean, just watch the deer if they're out in a food plot eating, and suddenly the does, fawns, bucks, they'll pick their head up and look around like, "Oh, what what was that?" Wag their tail, go back to eating. Nothing. It was nothing. Yeah. But that's the also, that's a very simple way of body language communicating to the deer around them that I, I, I didn't see anything. I was wrong. It's all clear. All good, guys. But I've seen fawns psych themselves out so bad when they're trying to do something and they think they're scared. They think there's something to be afraid of and that whether it's to walk through a narrow passage in a hallway or a stretch of woods or go in from one pen to another or step out onto a food plot. And they can convince themselves to be scared of something. Sometimes it takes 15, 20 minutes. But they'll they'll stand there and look at it. Then they'll pretend, oh, I, I'm not looking at it. Wag my tail. Looking at it. Wait. It didn't move. Okay, is it real? Is it not real? Is that a real thing I see? Maybe I look at it. it won't, maybe I don't look at it. It won't move. Looks away. Wags their tail. I'm not looking at it. There's nothing to be afraid of. Looks back at it. Then they turn around and run away. But they'll do that for 15 minutes. Because they're like, are we supposed to be scared of this thing? Are we not supposed to be scared of this thing? We all know that the tail means run away when they put it up, but there's more communication to be had there. And it's really quite crazy watching a deer's mental process going through that. Is it okay? Is it not okay? Is this okay? Am I okay? 
Is Kyle okay? And the so the deer farm, I think, is a great asset, and it's 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 not it's not easy hunting. Some places are. Some places, if you want to go there and shoot a specific deer, and it's easy. But up there, like I said, the first couple days, not seeing anything, get up in the morning, getting up at night, or getting out there at night. You know, we we not coming out till dark. There was a specific deer out there, the biggest, the biggest one, the substantially the biggest one. He was the hardest one to hunt. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not stupid. He doesn't want to die. Um, but having that seat time, having that experience with these deer, with these live animals, is only a benefit. And mm-hmm. anybody that says, "Oh, you hunt there," so that means you can't hunt hunt out here in the wild. Well, I've done that. I've we've done that. You arguably so, shot the biggest buck on your property in your general vicinity that you were likely to see out there. So I don't know. It sounds like we know how to hunt. Yep. And I've shot a five and a half year old buck. I got, I got plenty of inches on the wall. I mean, um, so it's, but, it, but, but back to the, the, the show, the episode, that'd be really cool to show everybody. Anybody that's ever wanted is curious of the deer farm and, and what, that can have this this is good insight and then mm-hmm. you, obviously steve porters has a bunch of episodes because you used to do that for every hunt which was a really cool thing until um, it got way overwhelming and way behind yeah but i mean so if you're curious you can go experience these hunts mm-hmm. and not worry about the price tag or worry about you know you can go and experience it and and ours is a good one and we went even a little farther you can see in that trailer that I had kind of had that. Sorry, it's bouncy. I'm not a cameraman, but I pretty much just rolled that camera anywhere and everywhere I could. So you'll see around, you'll see the tree stand, you'll see us hanging out in the box blind, and it's called um, B-roll. The B-roll, and then you're gonna see us shoot something. Um, literally, what when did we start Monday, dude? I don't remember what day it is today. We started, you... I believe. It's Friday because we're live on. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep, it is Friday. Um, So we hunted five days, two sits a day. Mm -hmm. And it all came down to a doe busting somebody, something blowing, and all the deer running back. And me and Dylan had to do some ninja stuff to switch around and actually shoot behind us because nothing was. Anyways. Um, it all breaks down in that episode and I hope you get to watch it. So, yeah, it'll be a good time and it's, uh, hopefully going to be done sooner than later, but I decided to join the ranks of the outward employed. So I'm no longer self-employed. So now I have a job. So, but that's not what we're talking about here. So it might take me a little bit longer. I need really about a day and I'll get that cranked out, but, and, and we have ACE. Have you looked at those? Okay. There's Kyle, a I, you, I, I, you, you sent me it, and I got it on Tuesday, and I started my job on Wednesday. There's a lot of B-roll on there. B-roll's good. I store B-roll. In fact, if anybody's ever wondering, I have almost four terabytes of footage from my time on the deer farm and elsewhere that I just keep. So if you want a video of a deer doing something, I spent an entire year recording deer for a video. Every day. That was my job. So I got some stuff. Anyway, we are coming up on an hour. And I think I know what I want to talk about in our next podcast. 
Uh, so we're going to turn this off here. Thank you guys for joining us on the live. And you can find episodes of Lessons of the Woods on Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube, uh, or anywhere else you find podcasts. So you can find us there. You can send us an email if you have questions at 10pointwhitetails at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at 10pointwhitetails. You can find us on YouTube at Lessons of the Woods or Spotify, Lessons of the Woods. Kind of have two names going podcast is officially lessons of the woods we are 10 point whitetails and you can find us on tiktok at 10 point whitetails uh so yeah we'll be back next friday at 7 p.m can you hear the train you can hear the train you know i live like a quarter mile from the railroad tracks guys come on i thought you had set up outro music to and i thought you're over here clicking play <laughs> as you're and thank you for joining us today at lessons of the Woods. and you had outro music and i was gonna be like wow no right, i great. i was not that prepared i tried okay. but um, we will see yeah go ahead sponsor not sponsor product shout outs tree trophy tree stands titan blinds domain outdoors uh, Wired Outdoors, Jason Say. TR Outdoors Wild for Raid, Blinds. Jessica, she's going to be a guest at some point. Outdoor X. All, anybody and everybody that we're uh, associated with at this point. So, awesome. Plug, 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 plug. Plug, 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 plug. Thank you, guys. That's where we're going to end. We'll see you next time. We're not sponsored by Coca-Cola either. <laughs>